Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Attention to Detail. This is Jacob joining you as always, and I am joined again in person by my co-host Hannah Reffitt. Hannah, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? Hello, it's good. How are you? I guess I, I don't need to like welcome you to the podcast because... You are, of course, always on the podcast. But it's nice to be welcome, though. There I you feel go. like, and welcome listeners. Yeah, welcome to our <laughs> listeners. And uh, we're we're back with uh, the second episode in our series on breaking down the the movements of symphonies, what to expect from them, and kind of how to be prepared when you go and listen to a generally four movement symphony. And so today we're going to be talking about. I was going to say the, the second movement, but we'll actually say the slow movement of a symphony because it's not always the case that the second movement of a symphony is the slow movement. Sometimes the second and third movements get kind of flipped. Um, usually the third movement is some sort of dance movement and the second movement is some sort of slow movement, but occasionally that's, that's different. Um, we'll hear that even in some of the examples that we, we give today. But um, we'll be talking about generally what is the second movement, which is the slow movement. So we're going to be really, we're talking about slow movements today. And I just, off the bat, Hannah, any, um, in your experience or, or just in your kind of sense of, of how classical music unfolds, what, what comes to mind when you hear like second movement or slow movement? What, what type of music? might you feel like you would be expecting outside of just the fact that it's slow? Sure. I When I hear second movement, and we I very briefly asked this before we hit record if we were going to talk about second movements in concerti as well as um, symphonic pieces, because when I hear second movement, I think of two of my favorite pieces one i know we all know because we bring it up every podcast but that is beethoven seven and the second movement is just killer it's so intense it's king's speech it's very regal and royal and just authoritative and just amazing and um the other one i always think of is um rachmaninoff piano concerto I think it's the second yep. with yep. the second. Yeah. The one that's in Titanic or whatever. No, is it no, in it's, um, this Celine Dion, but yeah, not yeah, Titanic. Yeah. It's, uh, all by myself. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And which is just gorgeous, but like pre all by myself. Mm-hmm. I have feelings that we can talk off podcast about all by myself. Like <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's great. Celine Dion is incredibly talented in her own right there's an amazing well, we're gonna have to talk about this off, uh-huh. off podcast but there's an amazing breakdown about Celine Dion singing all by myself and like the, okay. the chord change that she does mm. and the chord progression progression and why that's good okay very good I'll share it with you later um but the, those are the two second movement pieces that I think of when someone says to me second yeah. movement so what what you mentioned there so we should mention generally concertos are only three movements but the movement that's left off is usually the kind of dance movement almost all concertos have a slow middle movement so those are definitely included in our thoughts today and you you mentioned some interesting things there. Maybe just a little bit of uh, deeper dive on what you said there, because what's the kind of 
Give me just a few. You, you mentioned actually a few adjectives for Beethoven seven slow movement, which was kind of authoritative, regal. Mm. Um, and Beethoven seven slow movement is a kind of uh, abnormal one. And we'll sure. talk about we'll talk about why that is. But what about for the Rachmaninoff? What what's the type of ambiance that's created there? I mean, no wonder it got turned into a pop song called All By Myself. Like, yeah. It's just sad. Like it's just if you're going through a breakup and you want to wallow about it, that's that's the word I would call. Yeah. I'd call that second movement is I'm wallowing. Yeah. And I think that's great. I think a lot of second movements are wallowy type of pieces. They yeah. tend to be kind of in some ways the most overtly emotional. They're they're kind of similar to what we might think of in slow pop music. You know, a lot of the slow pop music that we hear are the songs are either love songs or breakup songs or wallowing songs or you know and i think that is a good framework for second movements so i want to jump right in because we have a lot of listening today and so i'm thinking for this episode maybe just we'll do a little bit more like flash reactions from you hannah and the goal is to kind of like we did it with first movements show the the groundwork for what second movements could be in kind of the classical era and then how that morphed and became through time what 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 slow movements became so i figured why don't we listen to um three you know one of the paragons of the classical style was haydn and he wrote 106 symphonies that all have a slow movement um, and so he wrote a lot of slow movements, and but they have a few s- general uh, kind of forms, we might say, or or like characters to them. And not all of them are, you know, they they're not all like super slow. They're not all super emotional. Um, but I want us to listen to a few of them and kind of I want your flash reactions, what it sounds like, and then we'll move through music history again and look at some later slow movements. So here's the first one. This is, I think, one of the most beautiful slow movements Haydn ever wrote. It's from his 44th symphony. I'm not going to tell you the nickname of the symphony because that's, that would give stuff away, but here is the slow movement from Haydn 44. So 
Initial thoughts on that one? Very tempered Uh is what I would say. It just goes on a very um, easy pace. And in the spring, I like fell deep into... Have you heard of cottagecore? Do you know what that is? Nope. (laughs) It's like this social media like trend phase of very like english countryside Mm, and like just pretty clouds and things like that yeah and i was so zoomed in to cottagecore and this made me feel very much like that would fit into that i like it yeah it's very so it's 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 very like placid yeah. yeah relaxed serene that's yeah i find this you know i hate when people say that classical music is relaxing because so much yeah. of classical music is not, but this one definitely is. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, and that's that's one thing I want us to keep in mind with slow movements. One kind of more technical or musical question, like, did you feel, um, I mean, maybe I should just give it away. I don't mm. want to lead you in the wrong direction. But to me, this, you know, the first violins almost play the role of a singer, and they mm. sing this. There's one melody that's kind of very simply accompanied. It's like an aria or something where there's a nice, beautiful, simple melody. And you heard there's in the middle, there's a spot where they could play bottom, 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 bottom. And the rest of the orchestra is just kind of playing these little punctuations on top of that. So it's very... It's not like thick, multiple melodies going on. It's really just one beautiful, simple melody. So that's, I think, one very common genre of slow movement. The all-by-myself movement is a little bit like this. Mm. You know, it has that all-by-myself melody in the clarinet with very simple accompaniment beneath it. And it's kind of got that simple... That one's a little more lamenting, Mm. I'd say, but it's got that simple, placid almost relaxing feel. So, excellent. This is a good one. The This is from the 44th Symphony, which is nicknamed the Trower Symphony, which means sad. And I didn't want to say that because that subtitle for me really applies to the other movements. They're very stormy. But this one is kind of optimistic mm. and happy. And Anyways, so here's the next one. This is from Haydn 85. Um, I chose this one partly because we just performed it at the ISO. And so it's, it's uh, front of mind. But... Here's the slow movement from this one and it's it's a little different. So what do we think about that one in contrast? Oh, gosh. In contrast... Or just in general. Yeah. Well, still paced, but at like a very tempered beat, but more... This one is obviously more brisk. But also, I paid more attention to sort of what the instruments were doing um, in relation to each other. So Uh it was nice to pick up the sort of the tempo, the rhythm, the beat of the bump 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 yeah. and then they would go off and do their own thing and then you would hear maybe it was the bass section yeah. um yeah. repeating the bump 
bump, bump. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of like communication going on. Yeah, that's that's good. I that so and that one also interestingly you had kind of a more technical reaction to that one than the first one. You highlighted it on the first one, so I made sure to pay attention well, to this but, one. Well, but I also actually think, like, this one to me feels more, like you said, it's certainly brisker. It was less atmospheric for me yes, as well, too. Yeah, and yeah. it doesn't have that same wistful, placid, like, kind of simple melody, slow movement feel. Yeah, when we do this podcast and when you ask for my reaction, I typically let my brain, like, go off and do its sort of creative reaction first because I feel like a lot of non-classical music listeners probably think in those same terms. Yeah. Or should allow themselves to because it's valuable. Um, And so, but this one, I sort of, I didn't get that as much. So. Well, and I think part of that is is that the you know anyways the, the the gist of this movement is that it's this is a different style it's mm-hmm. it's a kind of more upbeat this is actually titled a romance by Haydn but it's kind of got it's in this style that we might even think of as sort of what is called in German Nacht music which mm-hmm. is night music which has this kind of um, it's it's almost it's it's upbeat sometimes it's a little um, it has hints of like something that a a band on the street could play a little bit um, and I think you highlighted it there well um, it's less melody driven mm. it's not one long soaring melody with some but there's a lot of communication there's a lot of and it and it feels a little more upbeat mm. so anyways we've got one more Haydn movement to listen to here's uh, Haydn 92, the Oxford Symphony, and here's uh, the slow movement from that one. So what about that one? And the uh, what what do you got for that? Oh, it was so wistful. Yeah. Um, it was just lovely. It made me think of. I don't know. I I can't think of a movie that makes me think of this, but like it's nighttime and you're at like a get together and things are lovely and the evening is coming to an end and it's just like very peaceful. Yeah, it's yeah. almost got this. Um, I always forget the word. Um, uh, in German, I think it's gemütlich is the word in German. They have this word for like the feeling that you have kind of like being at home, being comfortable, mm. sitting by the fire, no worries, just nice. kind of. Um, and yeah, I think you, I, and, and in a way it's, for me, I don't know if you feel the same way, it's a little different from the first one we listened to. Mm. The first one is certainly relaxing, but it's... Um, it's melody driven and it feels like it's kind of going somewhere. And this one, like you said, feels just, and I think from a musical standpoint, this is much more, uh, what we might call polyphonic or it's not quite contrapuntal, but 
it means that there are there's a lot of thicker harmonies going on. You know, it's almost this chorale texture at the mm. beginning where everyone's holding notes together and then it all comes to a stop at the same time. Okay. Versus like a single soaring melody that has this very simple accompaniment underneath it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's another style of the kind of chorale style that you might hear in in like a chorale in church or something like that mm. is another style of slow movement that we can we can keep in mind. So anyways, that's some of the it's not by any means a comprehensive uh list of the types of slow movements that existed but there are a few of them and hopefully we've got a general sense of what slow movements can be so then we move along and i want to listen to two of beethoven's slow movements first i want to listen to the slow movement to the fourth symphony and for this one i just want you to listen and i'm curious to hear which of the three haydn's that we just heard you feel like this most resembles. Okay. So here's the fourth symphony slow movement. All right, so so what's your thought on that one? If you had to say that that was most similar to one of the Haydn's we heard, do you have any feelings? Um, immediately, I felt like it was closest to the first. Um, the more I, I list, the more it progressed. There's a wistfulness to it that made me feel like almost the third, but I'm gonna stick with I feel as if it's closest to the first. I think I totally agree with you. It's. Uh, this one of all of Beethoven's slow movements has this kind of melody, what we might even call what's called a bel canto aria, which is usually a, a high soprano singing some mm -hmm. long melody above this very simple accompaniment. Um, and yet it strikes me as very much in that genre of the first one. But actually when I was listening, you know, like you said, I, there's elements of the third one because there's a counter melody that plays along with this melody that gives it a little more of that what we would call polyphonic it's very texture. powerful yeah it's very powerful moments yeah. yeah and it gets a little thick in texture and also i mean i was thinking right at the beginning even it starts at a kind of somewhat brisk pace and yep. this this motor which made me think a little bit of the second okay uh, so i was you know, it's it's actually, I mean, this is what we're expecting to see as you move later into music history is a kind of 
blending of ideas or pushing the boundaries of ideas. But that leads into our next clip, because now we're going to listen to the second movement of the third symphony, which actually comes before the, before the fourth symphony. But, but this was a massively groundbreaking symphony. We've talked about it before on this podcast. And here is just the opening of what happens to be uh, I should have mentioned that normally slow movements for Haydn, Mozart, they tend to be in the four to eight minute range. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're short character pieces, not massively substantial movements. This slow movement of the Eroica is probably 18 minutes long. It depends on how slowly you play it. Mm-hmm. But massive, massive movement. And here's what the opening sounds like. So we'll get your reactions to this one. So ambiance idea of that one, what does that evoke? It, it really made me think so much of this, the second movement of the seventh symphony, yeah, too. Yeah. It's got this sort of dark quality in the very beginning and this even um, temper that you're sort of doing like a slow march to. Um, That's very good. Yeah. I just, it's a funeral march. Yeah. Oh, moment, that, okay, yeah. I'm remembering now. You nailed it. So okay. it's, yeah, it's actually, this is supposed to be a funeral march. Um, very, very dark. That was not fed to me. I 100% no. swear that I yeah. have forgotten that that is no, a funeral you, march. You, that, I can confirm. <laughs> you, you nailed that one. No prior clues given. Um, yeah, incredibly dark. And it's like a march. It's not, a march is not really... Marches are usually fast, and we wouldn't expect them to be a slow-movement topic. Mm. But it's this massive, massive, dark funeral march, which takes the kind of expressive possibilities of the second movement being, you know, the slow, potentially wallowy, sad moment of reflection in a symphony, and just maximizing that to the greatest extreme, making it about death and sadness and making it 20 minutes long and unfolding at this tectonically slow pace. Um, So yeah, this is a great example of a a romantic slow movement. So now I want to listen actually to, we'll do quick ones, three clips from three out of the four Brahms symphonies, even later than, than uh, Beethoven. And you know, Brahms, great romantic composer, wrote good slow movements. Um, but they're also all a little bit different, and I want to hear your reaction to to these. And I'm cherry-picking a little bit from, from these movements. As we get into later Romanticism, all of these Brahms slow movements are... Well, not all of them. Most of them are longer, more substantial. They become... They take on a life of their own. They become these big, weighty movements. Um... But here are some little clips. So first, here's one from the first symphony, and same thing that we've been doing before, uh, how this relates to what we've heard. (laughs) 
So quick thought on that one. I mean, it's a short clip, but hmm. what do you think? Just lovely, easy to follow. Um, it's a great solo for that instrument. Like, yeah. What a, what a great way to just sort of open up um, an idea of, to me, it was very reflective more than anything, yeah. I, I would say. Yeah. What of, of keeping our three Haydn movements in mind, the the melody-driven one, the the upbeat romance, and the kind of chorale-type one, what did this feel most like to you? I think probably the first, because there was sort of that um, uh, overall sort of like aria-esque yeah. type of going on, yeah. and then sort of like a um, even nests underneath it played out by everybody else yeah. just sort of keeping the time and yeah. keeping it going and 100% I think I agree this is an example of Brahms y- using the kind of just beautiful aria melody style with with some albeit Brahmsy and more thick accompaniment but but yeah I think I agree 100% like that Beethoven 4 clip that we heard and like the first Haydn very melody driven. So here's the next one. This is the slow movement from the second symphony. And let's see how we feel about this one. So how about that one? Of the Haydn, I would say the third more than most. At the very beginning, I had also been thinking perhaps of the of the second um, Haydn as well. But the further it got along, the further away it got from sort of like this communication back and forth. And I think the strings really took a lot of liberties in a beautiful way. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think this one is very much the kind of chorale texture of the third one very thick very um again polyphonic we might want to call it multiple lines going on at the same time and you know very Brahmsian again you know rich harmonies a lot of emotion but but similarly yeah it's a lot to sift through I remember when we did we did all four of the Brahms symphonies in the cycle at at the ISO together and I remember having not really listened to a lot of Brahms prior to that and 
having a difficult time getting through them because mm-hmm. there's so much to sift through. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's fascinating. You know, I that's what so many new listeners to classical music say to me that they like can't really wrap their head around. Brahms. Yeah, I remember t- turning to one of our colleagues and saying like I didn't like it. Like, yeah. It, but and it being okay that I didn't like yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating to me though because Brahms is maybe my single favorite composer. I mean, listening to that like that was amazing. Yeah. So like definitely worth a re-listen for sure. Yeah, but it's it's something about Brahms is this kind of restrained expressiveness that people doesn't immediately resonate with people somehow but yeah I just it's it's my favorite music ever so um it's it's interesting but you're you're in the majority I think of people I've talked to who like I'm just, not saying I'm right I'm I'm saying like I think it's worth yeah I mean I, I'm definitely not saying it's worth right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm sticking to that Brahms is an amazing composer but it's it's, it's I hard definitely to want to give Brahms another chance yeah. for sure well that's what I'm saying to people is that it is incredible music but don't be discouraged because there's so many people yeah there's so many people who just struggle for one reason or another Mm -hmm. to to grapple with it at the beginning anyways we've got one more this is the slope this is the slope this is actually the third movement from the third symphony um one thing that brahms does in all these symphonies is he kind of blends the the second and third movements a lot like it's it's hard to determine actually which movement is necessarily the slow movement and which one is the quote-unquote dance. And maybe we'll touch on that a little bit more in in our third movement episode. But in any case, here's the third movement of the third symphony. So just a tiny little clip there, but but what do you think of that one? Um, gosh, I think of all the the performances I was able to see live at the ISO, I think this one was one I was so able to sort of hum back mm. at the at the end of the performance yeah. and just sort of leave the concert hall and just sort of hum it on my walk home uh-huh. like the yeah <laughs> it's so good and then to find out in your like pre-concert talks that that got developed into a frank sinatra song do you remember that did I, you not do that i, I, I think it I was did. with austin i think austin had brought it maybe up. he mentioned it yeah, yeah. I, that, <laughs> but, but i'm just thinking like speaking of pop songs with Celine Dion all by myself it's very interesting that these second movement second third slow yeah. movements of of classical music get reinterpreted into you know pop oh yeah pop ballads I oh, mean yeah. it happens commonly but yeah like here are two examples this is a great example because I think this one we'd agree probably is it's it's like a crooner almost it's oh like, yes and Frank know, Sinatra is a crooner yeah, so there you it, go yeah, yeah. Um, and I think what you said there is true like slow movements have the, the closest kind of analog with the world of pop music because they're 
some of them are kind of love songs. Like, this is thought to, as many of these type of, this is what we might even call close to something like an intermezzo, which mm -hmm. has this kind of often like a slightly crooner-ish feel. A lot of these Brahms, these cold, bleak, mournful landscapes that he paints in like second or third movements, they're thought to be like kind of these wistful love songs to Clara Schumann, who was this woman who he you know, loved, maybe or maybe not, ever got together with the wife of his, the person he admired the most, Robert Schumann, the composer. So, yeah, it's like this restrained expression. It's but, tormented. Yeah, too. it's very it. tormented. Yeah. Um, but this is kind of, I chose this one also just because it's a little bit of a new direction for slow movements. It's got some of those elements of motion from our second one, there is a melody here, but it's it's not one of those kind of bel canto arias. This is like a mournful alto or bass, not like a soprano. Um, so yeah, it's it's an interesting. It, it's to show that slow movements became the expressive limits of them got pushed in the Romantic era, and then you know as we got further and further along in music, slow movements really have now become, uh, especially in the 20th century and 21st century, um, slow movements of, of symphonies to the extent that people even write traditional symphonies anymore, which is not that common, but slow movements are almost on equal footing with first movement, faster movements. Um, and one example of that, we'll just play a little bit of it, is the last movement of Mahler three, you know, normally the last movement is this big rousing finale, but Mahler three ends this huge symphony with this massive slow adagio, which means slow in, in Italian for, um, and, and the slow movement here is like elevated to stat, the, the highest status. Um, and so let's listen to a little clip from this and just hear a, a brief clip of this massive slow movement when it's really become like its own standalone super substantial movement of a symphony. So there we go. Any reactions to that last one? Um, so many. How amazing. I love this episode and also our prior episode to sort of see the development through the centuries of the second, the slow movement in classical music. Like that's 
just amazing to listen to because this movement of Mahler had so much in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and to just hear sort of the transformation from sort of Haydn sort of setting the tone to this. Yeah. There's so much in it going on in this Mahler that feels like tormented and sad departures from each other, but also like um, like motivational at the same time. Like it felt like a war-torn movie I have not seen, but the end of it and like the end is reaching and it's like D-Day and it's sad, but it's like victorious. Like, so, like something like that is just, I think... Um, encapsulated in that in that movement. Yeah, well, and I think what you said there is kind of the point of this whole series, which is that it really helps probably to appreciate slow movements of Mahler, of Dvorak, of anyway, if you know what came before, and even if you just have some general uh, general kind of points to expect, even just like they're going to be slow and they're going to be more wistful and they're going to be, you know, here's just a few little things that I'm, I'm looking for in the slow movement. And then, you know, if you have that, then maybe you can ask a little bit like what type of slow movement is this and what specific sound world is being created here. And then, Oh, in this Mahler, maybe he's really drawing on a lot of different slow movement resources to create, like you said, all of this stuff in one clip. And so Good. I'm glad that hope that you were able to hear that, and hopefully our listeners too. Um, slow movements are some of my favorites, um, and yeah, I'd encourage our listeners to go out and and listen to some some second or third movements of uh, of, of symphonies and start with some of the classics and work their way through because there's so many good ones. Any uh, any final thoughts on on this episode? I had a great time. It was good. really lovely. I'm going to go and listen to Second Movements now. Same, same. I had a good time preparing, so I'm going to do a little, little. just just keep listening to, there's so many, even Haydn symphonies, that I'm now thinking of, like, oh, i got to go listen to that slow movement again. I'm going to listen to the, the Haydn 44, the first one that we listened to on this episode, is one of my favorite movements of Haydn, so I'm going to go listen to that whole thing right now. Um, for all of our listeners, thanks as always for joining us, and we will, uh, we will see you again soon.